0: of course is Hebrew for praise the Lord. Uh, Yah being Yahweh, Hale, praise, praise the Lord. Great for us to praise the Lord today with our missionary Billy Swan. If you don't know Billy Swan, Billy has been one of the missionaries of our church for, I understand, over 21 years since 1997. We've sent, as I understand it, four or five mission teams. Uh, Some of you may have already been out to Ireland to participate with what god is doing through billy's work there it's such a great treat for us on this world communion sunday to have one of our missionaries with us to share god's word with us to help enlighten our minds to what god is doing around the globe so before billy comes up please join me in a a time of prayer just to pray that god might open our hearts to what god wants to say to us this morning through billy please join me as we pray gracious and loving god we thank you lord for your holy spirit who gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray, O Lord, that by your spirit, you might open our hearts, that we might be transformed at the reading and the preaching of your holy word. God, we thank you for our brother in Christ, Billy Swan, the many years of ministry that we have been able to co-labor together. We thank you for his presence with us this morning on this World Communion Sunday as your saints gather around the table all around the globe to share a meal together. Thank you that Billy is here with us to share your word with us this morning. Give us ears to hear and a heart that might be opened and transformed as he brings your word to us today. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your son and all God's people said. Well,
1: good morning, Amarillo. I know I'm in Amarillo because when people pray, they thank God for rain. (laughs) It is a joy, a privilege, I, I I uh, take it as a great honour to be able to share with you this morning in World Communion Sunday. As Howard was saying, 1997 is the first year I came to Amarillo. And uh, it's been a dream, an ambition uh, to stand before you and to be able to share with you the Word of God. And here we are today fulfilling that ambition. We're going to hear about the Word of God uh, in Dublin, Ireland shortly. But first of all, the Word of God. Let's read together from God's Word. From Matthew chapter 20. Starting from verse one. Hear the word of the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into my vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand there idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, because each of them also, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, They grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. This master of the vineyard, the owner of of the land. He goes out early in the morning. It must have been maybe harvest time, a special time of the year, a time when he needs extra labourers on staff. And he goes out, as the story says, and he, he agrees terms with the workers who were there in the marketplace, a denarius for a day, and off they go to the vineyard. But he mustn't have hired enough workers because he goes out again three hours later at nine o'clock in the morning. The working day there uh, in uh, Palestine, much the same as in the US, starts at six in the morning. We don't start till nine in Ireland. But you seem to start a lot earlier. That six in the morning to six at night was the working day back then. He goes out at nine o'clock in the morning, hires more laborers. He repeats again at midday and three in the afternoon and more laborers go into the vineyard gradually through the day. Then at the 11th hour, At five o'clock in the evening, one hour before quitting time, he goes out again. And he sees others standing there in the marketplace, idle. And he says to them, why have you been standing there all day long, idle? And they give a very interesting answer. Did you catch it? They said to him, because no one has hired us. In other words, it's your fault. You're the employer. We had to stand here all day because you didn't hire us. Now if they had to want it hired, he was hiring people all day long. They just weren't there. Do you know anybody like that in your life? It's never my fault. It's always somebody else to blame. It's my parents' fault. It's my children's fault. It's my partner's fault. It's my neighbor's fault. No, no, it's society's fault. It's the government to blame. Some people even try to blame God. It's always somebody else's fault, somebody else's responsibility. It's never my fault. I'm never to blame. I never take responsibility for my own mistakes, for my own bad life choices, for my laziness. It's never my fault. Not like the other guys who went out early. Six o'clock in the morning, they would have been there before six because they want to get hired. They are responsible, and maybe we can relate to that group of guys better than the guys in the 11th hour. Because they're hard-working, honest, low-abiding citizens like us. They've got responsibilities, mouths to feed, a roof to keep overhead, bills to pay. They want to get work. They want to work hard and do well. The American dream. And they did work hard all day long, And then can you imagine our excitement when it comes to pay time and the foreman comes into the vineyard to give us our wages? Because you had to get paid every day. That was in the law of Moses. You couldn't withhold the workers' wages till morning. You had to pay them in the evening for they depended on it. And so our excitement when we see. And it's unusual because usually those who are hired first get paid first. But the owner of the vineyard gives an instruction to the foreman to do the reverse. And he gives pay, first of all, to those who only worked an hour. And it was a denarius. Oh, we're so excited. we see them getting paid a whole denarius. That's a day's pay. And if they get paid a whole day's pay for one hour's work... Whoa, this is, I'm going to be in line for this employer tomorrow. This is such a generous employer. Uh, like if, he's, if he's getting one denarius for one hour's work and we work 12 hours, whoa, we should be getting two weeks' pay for one day's work. Remember, six days shalt thou labour and the seventh day uh, you'll do no work. Twelve denarius, six days a week, that's two weeks' pay. A little note there, two weeks' pay for one day's work. And you can imagine that excitement being dashed to pieces when we get reached a denarius. And we start to grumble and complain, it's not fair, it's not right. Now I don't know if this happens in America, I know what happens in Ireland. Here's an example from Ireland. National Broadcaster. They have a a news programme at 6-1 in the evening. And it's at 6-1, 6 o'clock and one minute, because at 6 o'clock, it's a good Catholic country, we ring the angelus on tv in the national carrier at six o'clock it takes a minute so the news begins at six one they have a male anchor a female anchor and it is revealed by accident that he's getting paid more than she is and even when they give her a raise in pay she's still not getting as much as him that's not fair that's not right that shouldn't happen but it does it's not fair and that's what we would be crying out to the employer. This ain't fair. And they grumble against the landowner. And they, and they say to him, they, they, they only worked one hour. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day. And the scorching heat. What's going on? This isn't fair. It's not right. And that's how we would feel. And yet this story is not about Fair. You see, the next sentence that comes from the master of the vineyard, he replied to one of them Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. I'm not being unfair to you. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. And here he says it I choose to give this last work as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I want with what belongs to me? It is not fair. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. It is not fair that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. It is not fair that by his stripes we are healed. That is not fair. That is not right. It shouldn't have happened. But it did. It's not fair. But you know what? It is grace. And that's what this story is about Jesus tells this story right here, right now, because he's just had an experience with the person we call the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler had come to Jesus in chapter 19. You can read it later. It comes to him in chapter 19. You know the story of how he comes. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says to him, you know the law, and he recounts some of the laws. And the young man says, yes, I've kept them all since I was a boy. And yet the rich young ruler still comes to Jesus. That's what the teachers of the law of that day told him. Keep the law and you'll get eternal life. But there's something niggling at him. There's something just clawing inside him where he has a doubt. He's not quite sure if this is going to work. Keeping the laws to get eternal life, there's just something that's not satisfying him. If it had satisfied him, he wouldn't have come to Jesus. To an itinerant preacher, someone who hadn't even been to rabbi school, he wasn't trained. Why go to him when you have all the teachers, all the best teachers in the land to go to? He had been to them, and their answer did not satisfy. So he comes to Jesus and asks this question, and Jesus looks at him and loves him. There's something real about this guy. He's not a spy sent from the teachers of the law to trip Jesus up, to ask a trick question, to get Jesus into trouble. This guy's genuine and sincere. He's asking from the bottom of his heart. He really wants to know what he can do to have eternal life. Jesus looked at him and loved him and told him in the AV, King James language, one thing thou lackest, go sell all that thou hast and give to the poor and come and follow me. Those same words of calling to discipleship. That he gave to Peter and Andrew, James and John by the Sea of Galilee. Come and follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. To Levi at the tax collector's desk. Come and follow me. And immediately he left everything and followed him. But not this young man. As he thought about it. He went away very sad. Because he was very rich. And then Jesus recounts how the camel and the eye of a needle and Peter asks them, what's there for us? We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus tells them, look, for you, there will be eternal life in the age to come. What are you dependent on today for the answer to that question? Before we hear about Dublin now, what about you? What is your answer to the question? How are you going to get eternal life? What are you depending on? Is it working hard all day long, all your life long, being good, keeping all the rules, doing the right thing, being a good husband, a good mother, a good family member, a good member of the community, being a good member of church? Is that what you're depending on to get you there? The story tells us it doesn't depend on that because it's not about what's fair. You stand before God and He asks you, Why should I let you into my heaven? Don't I have the right to say who gets in and who doesn't? Well, why should I let you in? Well, I've been good. I've done all the right things. Sorry. That's not the criteria to get into my heaven, says God. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other way. No other way. Jesus is the only way into heaven. What are you depended on this morning. Now, in Dublin, Ireland, that's exactly the same message that we bring. The story of scripture, the story of Jesus, the grace of our God, the generosity of our God. We cannot be jealous because God is generous, because he is graceful and gives us what we don't So we bring that message to the people of Dublin. Dublin Family Outreach. We work in Dublin, we work with families and we do outreach. We don't have a building that we bring people into. We go out to the people where they are. We meet them in their community, in their own homes. Or vision is quite simple. It's to see a group of God's people come together to worship the true and living God in their own community in a way that is faithful to scripture, to their class and their culture, while reaching out to their own community. And we fulfill that vision through simple things, like meeting them in their home, counselling and uh, nurturing Sometimes, although we don't want them to become dependent on us, we will have emergency distribution of food and clothing and furniture. Sometimes they need those things, but we won't want them to get dependent on us. We want to work with them, not for them. Because for people with a dependency, social welfare mentality, the more you do for them, the more they sit back and let you do, the more they think they're entitled to it. An entitlement mentality. We don't want to develop. And so we'll do weekly life studies where we come together with them in their community. And a weekly life study, we call it life study instead of Bible study because we want to look at our lives through the lens of the Bible. The purpose being transformation of our lives, not just knowledge of Scripture, which is good, but to take that knowledge and apply it practically in our lives that our lives would change to be more Christ-like as his disciples. Each month we'll meet together. And have a celebration. These folks face lots of difficult situations. They live in big housing projects. Uh, There's lots of crime and addiction and suicide. There's lots of bad news all the time facing them day after day. So we thought, hey, wouldn't it be kind of neat to get together and thank God for all the good things? Remember that old one? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so we get together And we thank God for all the good things. Uh, We will pray together. We'll hear the word of God together. We'll have a meal together. We're learning how to worship the true and living God in a way that's faithful to Scripture and to their class and their culture. It takes about three, four hours for our service. And through the year we'll do seasonal events, Christmas and Easter and Halloween and so on. We were pleased last February to have the first and hopefully not the last of our Just for Women conference, and guess who was allowed to come along? Just women. Although Dick Doyle and Andy Rogers and, and Peter—they sneaked in, but only to serve the food and do a few jobs around Drewstown House. We allowed them that far and no further. That was such an incredible weekend; it impacted eternity. We want to bring another team, and we need people to sign up for that. She needs women to sign up for that. To take a step of faith. To step outside your comfort zone. To go to a place where you have to depend on God to help you. That's where your faith is exercised and strengthened, ladies. Come. Come and step in faith with God on such a journey. We praise God for that weekend this year. Four of the women uh, on that weekend subsequently asked the Lord into their lives are now talking of baptism. And we praise God for that step. We praise God uh, for a work that is impacting lives today in Ireland. In large housing projects, 30,000 people. And in that housing project, there is one church started 25 years ago where just 0.1% of that population do what you're doing this morning. 0.1, one in a thousand go along to that fellowship from that area to worship in their own area. There never was a Presbyterian church in that area or Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or anything else in the whole history of that place. There never was. And we are crying out to you as the people of God, to the people of God, will you come on over and help? Summer camp is the most perfect opportunity to come and help because it's family camp. We are doubling family outreach. Come as a family. Wouldn't that be incredible to come as a family on a mission trip and adopt a family and be adopted by a family for a week? Share your faith for a week with that family. We praise God, last year we had our first baptism there on camp, and I've just spent some time in the past couple of weekends uh, building an area uh, at Drew's Town House where those in the future will be baptised. We are seeing this vision become reality. Two young uh, women sisters came on camp the last two years. They came two years ago with their mom. her is Sheila. And Sheila... Sheila was diagnosed with cancer in her bones, and it gradually spread. She fought courageously, but after a number of years, there was nothing but remedial treatment. She was going to turn 59 on her birthday in June. And we knew she was never going to see 60. So we decided, let's do the 60. You know, the big 6-0, a 5-0, a 4-0. Those birthdays are the big ones. Let's do a six o 0 a big surprise party for her. And her daughters got her out of the way. And we all snuck in and got the place, you know, nice with balloons and happy birthday. And she came in and surprise! And she was in tears and we were in tears because we know the context of this birthday. Turning 59, never to see 60. Blow out the candles there, Sheila. Make a wish. Sheila, what was your wish? I want to be on family camp one last time. I'm not sure if I had a couple of months to live, I'd be wishing to be on family camp one last time. You know, our family camp was already booked out. We had a waiting list of people. But how can you turn down such a request? We got two families to move in together into the same bedroom to make the bedroom space for her on the ground floor. She comes in her wheelchair and uh, her daughter Sharon is wheeling her in, frail and feeble, hardly able to speak. And uh, Sharon says to me, Billy, thank you so much. My mother is fighting to stay alive to get to this week at camp. That's how much this means. And through that week, Sheila made it very clear that she was angry with God. We have our adult sessions in the night time and it's, It's not where someone teaches and everyone is quiet. It's conversational. And she made very clear she was so angry with God because he robbed her of 20 years of life. She would never see her grandchildren grow up, graduate, get married. She was going to miss so much on it because of God. She was blaming God. She was angry. But by the Friday of that week, her anger was gone. By Friday of that week, she had made peace with God. And a couple of weeks later, she passed away. But that wasn't the end of the story because we are Dublin family outreach. Sharon and Wendy, her sister, were so impressed that we brought their mum on camp. They came the following year with their children and husband and those two or two that subsequently given their life to the Lord and Lord willing will be baptised. Thank you for your partnership in this work. Thank you for standing with us. We are seeing this vision fulfilled in our presence today. And we give glory to God. I do have information, of course. They're on the information table as you exit. Please take one. I know what's in them. There's no point in me putting them in a suitcase and taking them home to Ireland. I need all the space I can get in my suitcase. So please help me by taking one of these. That's a fun way of asking for a very serious thing. I want you to take it so you'll sign up and pray for us. That's what we need, folks. Most of all, we need your prayers. That this work would be blessed and continue. And to grow.
0: To see those numbers of believers in Ireland increase. Thank you and God bless.